When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby, and I'm joined via the phone by Mary Kay Cabot for another Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, how are you today? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? I'm doing well. Of course, we were in Berea yesterday to uh, to meet with uh, Todd Haley, uh, Amos Jones. We got a chance to to, inter- to talk to both of them. We'll get to that uh, in a little bit. But of course, here on this uh, on this Thursday afternoon that we're recording this. Everybody, including Hugh Jackson, and maybe mostly Hugh Jackson, is waiting on pins and needles for this A.J. McCarron decision uh, and, and kind of how it could dictate his future. So, you know, if you could kind of run us through the, the details of this decision and, and what it might mean for the Browns. Well, uh, basically it has to do with how many accrued seasons he has. He has a grievance against the Bengals. And just in its simplest form, if he wins the grievance, uh, he becomes an unrestricted free agent and can sign with any team uh, on March 14th. And if he loses the grievance, he's a restricted free agent. And the Bengals would have the right of first refusal. And depending on what tender they place on him, other teams would have to give a corresponding draft pick uh, to the Bengals if they um, if they sign him. So uh, at this point, uh, we're not sure if it's going to come down today. I've seen a few things. Uh, ESPN earlier reported that it might not happen today because of a personal issue with the arbitrator. Uh, so that's one thing. You know, Hugh might have to le- lose sleep for one <laughs> more night or more. Uh, so not 100% sure it's going to happen today. And nobody seems to really know which way this is going to go it's kind of a unique situation again it was really more of a listing issue instead of being placed on injured reserve which would have counted uh the games would have counted they put him on nfi for the first how many ever games of the season and that non-football injury list doesn't count uh towards actual games played so a little complicated there trying to keep it simple but basically they want him to be unrestricted so they don't have to give up a draft pick for him. If they do have to give up a draft pick, uh, the latest from uh, the Cincinnati Inquirer is that the Bengals would probably place the second-round tender on him. Now, you have to give up your original second-rounder. You just mm-hmm. can't choose one of those three second-rounders that, that you have. You have to give him the original, which is number 33, the <laughs> first one in the round. And, you know, that might seem like a high price to someone. Dan, you and I can kick that around. Yeah, um, you know, and, I, and I, I'm glad you brought up that report because the second round tender makes the most sense, and Cincinnati really likes him. Um, they, they obviously, even though he hasn't been able to pass Andy Dalton or, or take Dalton's job, um, you know, the Bengals really like having him on their roster. They obviously value him. Um, the Browns were reportedly willing to give up a second and third uh, last year for him. So, uh, you know, it's interesting because the way things kind of played out, the Browns actually have two of the first three picks in that second round. So while I'd hate to give up number 33, you do have a pick two picks later. Yes, exactly. So actually, 
you know, if I were um, if I were running the Browns, I would do the deal. I would give up the number thirty three pick because uh, you know what? And we've been talking a lot about this. They have so many young players on this team, so many rookies on this team. You have to start using some of these picks as currency uh, to actually end up with good players. So I think that uh, that it would be worth the gamble there to spend the number thirty three over pick number three, 33 overall pick on him, knowing that you have that other pick coming up uh, two spots later, and it gives you an opportunity to take a chance on what could be your starting quarterback for 2018. Yeah, um, you know, <laughs> I, I'd be a little nervous about giving up that pick. But again, because you have that, that the pick two picks later, you're adding the number, you have the number one pick, you have the number four pick. Um, you know, I I would actually be I'd I'd be surprised either way if they made both of those picks. I think it could be just as likely that if they kept those picks and didn't go after McCarron, they used him to maybe move back up into the first round if they wanted to. Um, I, yeah. I just I'm just not sure that, we're going to see five. I don't think we're going to see five guys picked by the Browns on those first two days, regardless of what happens with McCarron. Well, you know what I mean. You, you might only because. Um... You know, that's where you are going to find your quality players. And those first two rounds, you know, if you could come away with five pro bowlers, you know, that's the place where where you want to improve your team. Once you start to get into the later round, in the third round, in some cases, fourth, fifth round, uh, you know, it's just so hit or miss. But if you really are worth your salt in terms of talent evaluating – um, in the, with those first five picks, you should be able to transform your football team, really. Um, so either they will uh, stand pat and make those picks, depending on how this thing shakes out, uh, or I would 100% give up that number 33 pick for A.J. McCarron. Yeah, yeah and, uh, you know, even, even in that sense, even if they make those picks, I mean, what is a realistic, you know, hit percentage on those picks? 60%? You know what? I mean, it's always, it doesn't even matter if you're picking number one overall, number four overall, or whatever the case may be. In many cases, uh, you know, it's it's a miss, even that high. I mean, you just look at, you know, even the quarterbacks. I mean, you just never really know. It's so hard to get the evaluation on the QBs. So, um, so if you have sort of a proven thing, or at least what you think can be a proven thing in someone, and an opportunity to use a pick on that. He's still young. Uh, I, I would go ahead and do it. I, I really wouldn't hesitate. Yeah, you are. Uh, now, of course, there are other quarterback options out there, and we're going to get to that. Uh, personally, I'd be a little nervous giving up 33 for a guy like A.J. McCarron. Um, I'd, I'd be curious if maybe you could put together a trade package um, that maybe wouldn't involve that pick. Obviously, things got a little messy around the trade deadline, so I don't know how possible that would be. Um, but you know, because the Browns have so many assets, like you said, they're going to have to figure out a way to use some of these picks uh, to, to maybe bring in some veteran guys and maybe find a guy who who could start a quarterback for them next year. Well, one of the guys, you know, to look at, obviously, from a trade standpoint, would be a Nick Foles. And if they mm-hmm. haven't been on the phone yet with the Eagles, then they need to make that phone call as soon as possible. They have to look at all of these veteran quarterbacks. They have to really uh, jump in the game, be aggressive, make some deals, and bring someone in here who can win some football games. There's no one that wants to deal with or stomach all that losing anymore. And as Hugh Jackson always says, you know, we need to get to winning as fast as possible. I think that John Dorsey wants to get to winning as fast as possible. 
I don't think there's any talk of a rebuild or a reboot or anything like that. Even though uh, there's a ton of change in the front office and on the coaching staff, I think the goal for everyone is to get some victories uh, on the board as soon as possible to get the players uh, back involved, to get the fans back involved, and to get this thing going in the right direction. Yeah, and then part of that comes with a, a veteran quarterback, um, a guy like McCarron, a guy like Foles. Uh, there, there's other free agents available, too. So, I mean, the Browns have options if they don't want to give up a draft pick. Um, there, there are options out there for them. And, you know, one of those options is a guy that our old buddy Joe Thomas uh, keeps <laughs> keeps lobbying for, and he did it again today. Uh, he, he really wants the Browns to sign Kirk Cousins. Yes, he really does. <laughs> he is not letting up on that. And I've been laughing about this because Joe Thomas always tells us, you guys always ask me about quarterback evaluations, and I don't know how to evaluate quarterbacks, but he sure seems <laughs> adamant uh, that the Browns absolutely 100% need uh, to sign or acquire uh, to sign in free agency. It would be Kirk Cousins. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. I don't see that happening because I really don't think that they want to make that type of a commitment. Uh, to Kirk Cousins and then, you know, when they're going to draft a quarterback number one overall, which I, you know, I I just don't see any way that's not going to happen. I think they will draft a quarterback number one overall. I I just, there's no way that you're going to not do that when you've passed on Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, guys like that. So I'm still 100% on the, uh, on the quarterback at number one train and, um, like you said, there are other quarterbacks available, and even Scott McLuhan was quoted uh, in a in a podcast, uh, you know, whatever, some months ago, as saying that he didn't even think Kirk Cousins was special, and he was there with him as the general mm-hmm. manager in Washington for two seasons when Kirk was throwing for four thousand yards. Yeah, and the other thing too is, obviously, the Browns have a ton of money to play with and a ton of cap space, but. You know, the reality is there is a more efficient way to to kind of solve your quarterback problem, and that's to find a veteran, whether it's via trade or a smaller contract than what you'd give Cousins, and then to, you know, draft your future quarterback, and that guy's on a rookie deal, um, which, which, you know, it used to be you draft a quarterback number one, you're paying that guy $50 million guaranteed off the bat. Um, the The cost of young quarterbacks now isn't as much. No, it definitely isn't. Um, and, you know, and I do think that, you know, you can find one that is not at that level, you know, the, the future of your franchise type of guy that Kirk Cousins was or that uh, an Alex Smith was before they lost him to that Redskins deal. Um, but uh, the thing is, there's going to be a lot of teams vying for these yeah. quarterbacks. So even if it's a Nick Foles, I mean, now you have to look at former Browns offensive coordinator John Filippo. He's up in Minnesota as their OC now. And, you know, what if he wants to trade for Nick Foles? Uh, you know, you've got Case Keenum, uh, who is going to be a free agent. There's a lot of teams now that have seen what those kind of guys can do and how far they can take you into the playoffs and win games for you. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams that would want to go out and try to acquire a sure thing like that. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and I kind of, I, I was looking this up just because I, I mentioned it. You, you look at a guy like Carson Wentz um, and the money he's making, uh, $26.2 million guaranteed for a guy that was an MVP candidate. Uh, yep. I mean, that's the value you get when you draft a quarterback high um, under the new the new CBA. I guess it's not the new CBA anymore, but the most recent CBA. Um, 
so so that's part of the reason why you you certainly want to go that route as well. And the other thing too, and and kind of what you were getting at, there's going to be so much competition for these guys. And the Browns are still the Browns. You know, they're still a team that has churned through quarterback after quarterback. They've won one game in two years. Uh, you know, no matter what they change and no matter what they do until they start winning, they're still the Browns. And that's why you might get stuck having to give up too much to get a guy like A.J. McCarron, a guy that wants to play for Hugh Jackson and have an opportunity. Exactly. And that, that is that is going to be a key. They're going to be fighting the perception problem. They're going to be fighting the instability perception problem here uh you know that quarterbacks come here to die that coaches come here to die um but hopefully uh some things have happened that will make players see that you know maybe better times are ahead i think todd todd haley you know brings them some good street cred because of what he was able to do with the steelers you know i think that uh John Dorsey and the crew that he's brought in with Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith, uh, those guys have gotten rave reviews uh, out in the football world. So um, I think people can see that there are some better things going on here now and, um, you know, that it might just not be a place to come and, you know, have it be a place where you have to try to resurrect your career after this. Uh, but they are fighting that perception problem, and when you get to free agency – um, it is true. Guys want to win. Kirk Cousins talked a lot about that at the Super Bowl, that he wants to go to a place where he can win. It's not for him so much about the money anymore. Uh, you know, he wants to go down in history as maybe having won a Super Bowl, things like that. Yeah, and, and even a guy like, I mean, Case Keenum coming from a place like Minnesota where, where he was, you know, a game away from the Super Bowl. And, and he kind of showed that he can be a quarterback for a team like that. Now, that guy's not going to want to come to Cleveland and, and just, you know, become the next guy on that quarterback jersey. You, you're really going to have to sell him hard. Yeah, you're going to have to sell him hard. But I think that they do have some very, very strong selling points, especially if Joe Thomas comes back. Yeah. That helps. Uh, you know, you really want to be protected. So um, if you know you have a good offensive line, that's attractive to quarterbacks. If they can demonstrate to these quarterbacks that they are going to upgrade their receiving core, and I know they will, um, if they can show them that they're going to do that, I think that will help. And then also there will be a commitment to the running game, a real commitment to the running game, because I think they'll have um, some new running backs in here. I think they might use Duke even more a little bit as a runner. And um, and I think Todd Haley will be very committed to that. So, um so I think that there are some selling points for a quarterback, and um, they just have to find one who's willing to take on this challenge. All right, well you, well, you said the name Todd Haley, so let's get to him, because obviously, like I said right off the top, we got an opportunity to meet Todd Haley yesterday uh, and, and talk to him, uh, the new Browns offensive coordinator. Uh, he comes from Pittsburgh. He's going to be a selling point uh, because he has done nothing but put together good offenses during his time in Pittsburgh. And you know they were number three in the NFL in yards per game uh, last season. They put up 545 yards against Jacksonville uh, in in that playoff game. And uh, obviously there were some decisions in that playoff game that that led to Todd Haley getting fired and, and you know moving on from Pittsburgh. Uh, but 545 yards against one of the best defenses in the NFL, one of the best defenses we've seen in a few years in the NFL. So this is a guy that that knows how to put together some pretty prolific offenses. Yes, he does. And, you know, he he talked a lot yesterday, and you and I both wrote about this on Cleveland.com, about player development. Mm -hmm. I mean, now, we can easily look at that situation and say, well, of course, it's easy to put up 545 yards when you've got Antonio Brown and 
Martavis Bryant and Le'Veon Bell and Ben Roethlisberger, but he talked a lot, a lot about player development, and the Browns need that. They have so many young guys on this team. Football players like, you know, David Njoku, uh, you know, Corey Coleman, young guys like this that really do need to be developed, and they will have more because of they've got 12 more picks in this draft. So if he can do that, if he can... Uh, you know, get the most out of these young guys and get them to come up to the next level, uh, then, you know, you could have a pretty decent offense pretty quickly if you add about three or four pieces, including a good quarterback. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback is, is going to be key to all of it. And I, th- I think it's going to be interesting to see um, to see what he kind of values in these guys. Obviously, he's coming from Pittsburgh where he had the prototype, right? The guy that if you carved an AFC North quarterback or just an NFL quarterback out of stone, he'd he'd look a little bit like Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe in a little better shape, but he'd look a little bit like Ben Roethlisberger. Big, strong arm, mobile. At the same time, this is a guy that has coached not guys as small as Baker Mayfield, but smaller guys. Kurt Warner's not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, So I'm curious to see kind of what he values in this draft class. Yeah, it's interesting. You would think that coming out uh, off of six years with Ben Roethlisberger, that you would have fallen in love with that six-five height, and that uh, you would be all about that. But yesterday, uh, you know, even we asked him about Baker Mayfield's height, and would that be sort of a deal breaker? And he, you know, he said no. Look at you know, look at Kurt Warner, who, you know, even on his best day was you know six-two. However, I will say this: there is a difference between six-two and six-foot. There's not many 6-0 successful quarterbacks in the NFL. There's just not many of them. Now, you know, the game is changing somewhat and um, because of the mobility and the different things that quarterbacks are doing now and bringing the co- some of the college game in, you know, you might be able to get away with that a little bit more. But still, they are really the exception to the rule. And I still don't know. And all, all of a sudden, I find myself morphing over here to Baker Mayfield and going away from <laughs> Todd Haley. But I still don't know. Uh, if you can afford to take that risk at number one overall. Yeah, I mean, you've got to be completely sold uh, on this guy. And, and I mean, that's I, I guess that goes for everybody that, that you would draft at number one. But, I mean, the reality is Baker Mayfield has to show you a little bit more because he is small. He's got some of the maturity issues that we've talked about before on here. Um, he's, he's just going to have to do a little more convincing than a guy like Josh Rosen might, or or a guy like Sam Darnold might, guys who just fit the mold a little more. Yeah, and to hear Todd Haley talk yesterday, you know, again, the the height and the size wouldn't be a deal breaker. If these guys determine that he is the playmaker that some people seem to think he is, like Scott McLuhan, who is uh, now a consultant for the Browns in this draft, If, if there are more people in the building that believe that he can get the job done like that, then I think Todd Haley is the kind of coordinator that will adapt his offense um, to the strengths of his players. He talked a lot about that. And the other thing that I think it's important to note about him is he is bringing in his playbook and his terminology. So this is an adjustment for everybody on this offense, except for obviously the two new quarterbacks that are going to be coming in, whoever else new comes in. They were going to have to learn something new anyway. But for anybody who has been here, this is start over time. It's going to be study time. And these guys are going to have to have their noses in this new playbook. Yeah, that's sort of that's become the, the annual tradition here in Cleveland, it seems. This, this last year, obviously, it didn't have to happen because Hugh Jackson was still calling the plays. But 
you know, new you know, new coordinators come in all the time though, in all sorts of different situations. And you know, guys will talk about learning the playbook, but you just got to do it. And obviously, if you can have a guy for three or four years, that that cuts down on some of that. But um, you know, guys are just going to have to put in the work and learn this stuff. Yeah, normally, you know, when you had, you know, you would think that when you had would have Hugh Jackson going into his third season, that it would also be the third season yeah. for. Uh, the offensive players in that system, in that offense. But he was willing to give it up, which actually, you know, I find somewhat surprising that, uh, you know, that he's willing to kind of take on more of that CEO role and just hand over the offense to Todd Haley. Now, he will be involved, and he'll be involved in all the player development. He'll be very involved in the quarterback development. But uh, for the most part, he's letting Todd Haley run his offense and run the show, and he will oversee the whole thing. Uh, yeah, I I found that interesting because you know the big question was is Todd Haley going to come here and run Hugh Jackson's offense or is it going to be Todd Haley's offense? And you know you'd think a guy like Haley wouldn't take this job if he wasn't running his offense, but it was it was a question until we heard exactly what was going to be happening. Yeah, and again, I think I think that is significant. I think it, it represents a big shift in how they're going to do things, and. Um, you know, and I think it also shows that Hugh Jackson just wants to win football games. That he doesn't, it's not about his ego, it's not about him calling the plays for the sake of, you know, saying, look at me. Uh, it's about trying to, to get this team finally on the right track and, and bring Cleveland back on the NFL map and, and have the Browns stop being the laughing stock of the NFL. Yeah, and, and one win in two years will make you pretty desperate to start winning some games, however you can. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about Mike Mayock's uh, positional rankings. Those those came out today uh, in the draft. Of course, Mike Mayock of NFL.com, uh, one of their more prominent uh, draft analysts, a guy who uh, is it part of the Senior Bowl broadcast and, and all of that. They really push him out front during draft season. And he came out with his positional rankings today. Um, we're, we're not going to talk about the tight end rankings or anything like that. We're going to talk about the quarterback rankings. And he had our good buddy Sam Darnold, number one. And here you go, folks. This guy's not going anywhere. If you were hoping he would, he's not. Number two is Josh Allen, ahead of Josh Rosen, ahead of Baker Mayfield, uh, who he's got three and four. So Josh Allen's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, you know what? I was actually a little bit surprised about that. I really wasn't sure where he was going to go with his rankings, which a lot of people uh, really anticipate because he is a very, very good uh, ranker, evaluator, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I was surprised to see Josh Allen at number two. Um, I think a lot of people after the Senior Bowl week of practices uh, were kind of concerned about some of the inconsistencies in uh, in the, the passes that he was throwing. I mean, I watched it with my own two eyes, and there were times where even against air, it was like, oops, where were you going with that? So, you know, but in those situations, you don't really know, like, these guys had never met each other before. You're throwing to receivers that have no idea where they're supposed to be. So sometimes uh, you have to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt and wonder, was there a guy that was supposed to run this route and he just wasn't there? Because there were a few times when it looked like he was throwing at ghosts. Uh, but there are people that love him, love him. And, you know, I've written and I've talked to uh, at least one of my very, very trusted talent evaluator friends, um, in the league that, um, you know, that he thought the Browns should take him number one overall and that, that 
they would be, you know, once again, set at the QB position for a long, long time. So there are people that feel the same way. We saw that Mel Kuyper put him at number one. Uh, this is going to be really interesting to see how this plays <laughs> out. I've seen comparisons to, to Ben Roethlisberger coming out of Miami. I've seen other people that would not touch this guy because of the 56.3 or 2 or whatever it is completion percentage. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's the thing. He's kind of the the test of do you believe accuracy can improve and and you're kind of looking to see why why that percentage was so low. Yeah, I think a lot of Browns fans and and I probably kind of fall into this category too. We look at Josh Allen and worry that we're going to go through another Deshaun Kaiser situation if if you take him. Except the difference would be you take him at number 1 instead of number what was it 52 for Kaiser. Yeah. Um, now, the only there, there's a major difference between uh, the two of them, I think, and that is that, uh, that Josh Allen really did play in a more of a pro-style yeah. offense, very similar to what Carson Wentz did in college. Um, so you wouldn't have some of that learning curve that you have. Um, but still, I do think that the accuracy is a concern. Most offensive coaches that I have talked to, get really scared about that number that 56.2 or 56.3 yeah this quarterback class as i look through these rankings it's <laughs> it's got me a little nervous i'm not gonna lie um i know we say this every year that you know when we really dig in on these guys we sit and we find all these little flaws and we find all these little things but you know with each of these guys there's something kind of glaring that, that you worry about you know, with Sam Darnold, it's the turnovers and the inexperience. With Josh Allen, we already talked about that. Josh Rosen, you know, you watch him play and you think, okay, why isn't this guy considered the next Andrew Luck? But then, you know, you dig in a little bit and there's some coachability concerns. There are some concerns about mobility and injury history. Baker Mayfield is probably the cleanest guy as far as the way he plays, but he's six foot tall. He's got some maturity issues. There's so much in this class that's just so difficult to figure out. Yeah, that is very, very true. But I do find that year after year after year, um, it's the same thing with with most of these quarterbacks at this time of year. We start to pick apart their flaws yeah. instead of really just looking at the bottom line, and that is, can this guy come in and win football games for you? And I've had talent evaluators talk to me about that. I remember talking to one last year on the way out of the senior ball, and he said to me, Deshaun Watson is the guy. He said he is the guy. He is a winner. Go watch him play. Watch his film again. Stop overthinking it. This guy has it all. He's going to be successful in the NFL. And you know what? He was right. He said people have to stop picking the guy apart. He's he's going to be good. And and he was right. And he, he approached me at the Senior Bowl again this year and he said, what did I tell you last year on the way out of the Senior Bowl? And I was like, you were right. You were absolutely right. It's overthink time of year. Exactly. We 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 want to poke holes in everything, but sometimes you just got to watch a guy. And if you're just blown away by what he did, like if you watched that Alabama National Championship game with Deshaun Watson and you were blown away by that, sometimes it really is that simple. Yeah, sometimes it is. But, you know, then, you know, then you do get confused about the whole Baker Mayfield thing. And I know you can be really talked into – Baker Mayfield, and you've talked about that a number of times. When you watch him play, there is a lot to like. There is a lot to like. Yeah. There, there's plenty to like. I mean, he's got a strong arm. Uh, he, he looks very accurate. He makes good decisions. He's got all that 
fire and that feistiness and that competitiveness. Um, you know, so, it, you know, on some levels, it does seem like that would be a no-brainer. But there are other there are other things, including the height about him, including the character about him, uh, that do give you pause. So that one, I think, is very tricky. Yeah, well, luckily, we're not the ones that have to make that decision. We, we, we just have to talk about it. Um, because this is, this is a big one for the Browns. They really can't, I mean, they really can't miss on this. They, they've got to get this right after three years of just miserable football, whether you, no matter what, this set up finally for them to, to get their quarterback and they should have had their quarterback by now. They didn't, they kept passing on guys, but here they are. They've got a hit on this one. And you know what I would do, Dan, and I don't know if I've talked about this before on any of our podcasts or anything. Um, maybe I have. I would take another quarterback pretty high. I would there's there are enough good quarterbacks in this draft that I would actually probably take two of them. And I know that sounds crazy, but they are assets. People pay a premium for quarterbacks. And if you see another one there that you think can be something, say a Mason Rudolph or something, and you have him available when you are coming up you know, in the second round, or I'm not exactly sure where, where he'll go. But if you have someone like that that just keeps gnawing at you and catching your eye, I'd go ahead and take that guy too. Because if nothing else, you can possibly develop him and end up trading him to another team. I mean, look at, you know, look at Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, some of these guys, you know, can be more than just your future quarterback. They can be your future possibly second round pick or something. Yeah, I'd, I'd be okay with that. As I wouldn't do it real high. That, that's kind of where I disagree with you. I wouldn't do it like second round. Um, but you know, and, and if they sign it, if they get a veteran, if they get AJ McCarron or whomever, and then you've got a rookie quarterback, maybe you keep Deshaun Kaiser around and see what he can develop into. You know, I I, I think that's probably what I would do. But you yeah. know, look, the the Redskins did it with RG three and Kirk Cousins. Obviously, Cousins wasn't a super high pick, but. Cousins ended up being the guy eventually. So, you know, if you've got the draft capital, you, you know, if, if there's a guy that you think might be worth it, worth your time, go for it. Yeah, it, it, and again, it might sound crazy to do that. And like you said, you know, maybe the second round is too high for that. But you've got third round, fourth round, and if you have someone that can turn into a valuable asset for you or maybe even a developmental quarterback for you, um, you know, you could be ahead of the game. RG3 didn't work out in Washington and Kirk Cousins ended up starting for them their fourth round pick that year so uh, so you never know and I just think there are enough good quarterbacks in this draft and you have enough picks like you said enough draft capital that it might not just be the craziest idea <laughs> to end up with two of them I mean you've got to solve the position somehow that it's the it's the most important position if if Browns fans haven't figured that out if we all haven't figured that out um, after the last few years, well, going back to 1999, I mean, I don't know what people have been watching. Yeah, and you know what? The other thing, Dan, that we should bring up to and talk about is Deshaun Kaiser. And with Todd Haley coming in here and two new quarterbacks coming down the pike, you know, what does that mean for Deshaun Kaiser? I don't know, Dan. What do you think at this point? You know, I don't know that they want to just give up on Deshaun Kaiser. I, I, I mean, you know, Cody Kessler's out the door. Kevin Hogan's out the door, but those guys are probably both out the door. I don't know that they just want to give up on Kaiser. You know, there could be a situation where maybe, depending on who they pick, uh, maybe he could start the year as the number two. Uh, I, I just don't know if they want to give up on him. I don't think he's the future, and I don't think they see him as the future, but I, I think they like his talent. 
Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, you know, I think they see something in him. And I think that when Todd Haley starts to really dig in and watch the film, that he will see some plays and some throws that makes him think, you know what? But it's way too early to give up on this guy. And I did ask him yesterday, of all the you know quarterbacks that he's been around over all these years, you know, can they significantly improve their accuracy? And he basically said yes. You know, it takes time to develop these young quarterbacks. And that's, again, what he's all about, player development. So if they can make something out of Deshaun Kaiser, and we've seen enough really good plays out of him, plays that throws that not a lot of people can make because he's got good arm talent. And if they can get something out of him... You know, either he can start and win games for for them at some point, or once again, he can become trade bait. Yeah, exactly. And he's only, well, I think he just turned 22. Um, yep. So he's still a really, he's still a really young guy. And he got thrown yeah. into the fire. And you know what? For everything you can say about how he played on the field last year, he kept bouncing back and bouncing back and bouncing back. Uh, and I, I think there's, there's something there. I'm... It's probably not franchise quarterback. It's may, it might not even be NFL starter, but I think there's something there that that's worth hanging on to. Yeah, and you know what? And Todd Haley talked about weathering the storms. I actually think that Deshaun Kaiser did a good job of of hanging in there from a mental standpoint. At, you know, with everything that he had to go through, with getting benched and having the weight of the world on his shoulders. You know, I, I think that mentally toughened him up a little bit, and I think he'll be better for it in the long run. Yeah, and, and I mean, you kind of look at what he had around him, too. I mean, there just wasn't – he didn't have a lot to work with, you know, before before Josh no. Gordon came back and Corey Coleman was hurt for a little while. Um, you know, we're talking about Kenny Britt, uh, Rashard Higgins, Ricardo Lewis. I mean, these are not guys that are going to help a young quarterback get better. No, and the other thing that um, that you have to consider when you are dealing with a young quarterback like – quarterback like that you know field position is so vitally important and takeaways are vitally important you know if you're going to turn the ball over that's one thing that that happens with rookie quarterbacks not to the extent usually obviously that Deshaun turned it over but at least if you have your defense getting the ball back for you picking it off forcing fumbles getting some takeaways uh you know that helps a young quarterback tremendously and if you have some big returns and you're setting him up in good field position uh those things also help your quarterback and the browns had neither of those things so he didn't have a lot going for him and therefore uh you know was not able to overcome the mistakes that he made yeah, I'm looking. I just pulled up a random uh, game book from last year, the Titans game, and these are uh, his re- the the receivers that he targeted. Obviously, there was Duke and there was Najoku and guys like that, but the receivers that got targets in that game were Ricardo Lewis, Kenny Britt, Bryce Treggs, Rashard Higgins, and Kaysen Williams. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, Kaiser cer- Kaiser certainly had his flaws, but. Um, I mean, there was a stretch of the season where he just didn't have a lot to work with on the outside. I remember asking him at one point in the season, um, you know, when, when, he, when you look at what Deshaun Watson has going for him, you know, down there in Houston with Hopkins and Deshaun Kaiser's old Notre Dame teammate, Wolf, Will Fuller, you know, does it make you, you know, remember back to his first year as a starter at Notre Dame where, you know, he had a lot of those kind of weapons. And then when he didn't have them in his second year at Notre Dame, you know, he was a different quarterback. Well, guess what? Everybody's a different quarterback when you don't have a good supporting cast. So I do think it would be very interesting to see 
what Deshaun can do with the upgraded receiving core that they will have next year with a running game, with a better defense, and just an overall better football team. All right. Well, uh, as, as we said at the top, uh, everyone, including Hugh Jackson, maybe mostly Hugh Jackson, waiting with uh, bated breath to see what will happen with A.J. McCarron. Whoever thought we would say that? <laughs> <laughs> people are waiting on pins and needles, either good or bad. Uh, some people don't want uh, A.J. McCarron to even be a possibility. I don't think he's that bad. I think he'd be a fine bridge quarterback. I, I don't know that I would give up number 33 for him, but I think he'd be fine as a bridge quarterback for this team. Well, you know what, Dan? Here's something interesting about this. You know, when he when he was going to be running Hugh Jackson's offense that he was very, very familiar with, and all he was going to have to do was step right in and plug and play, um, you know, it, it even made more sense. Now, think about this. He's going to have to be learning a whole new terminology uh, and a whole new offense and, and all that sort of stuff. But still, I think it's worth a gamble. I think it's worth a try. And, uh, you know, the only thing is, if he does hit unrestricted free agency, I think he will have other suitors. Yeah. Well, there was a report that the Broncos would go after him. Um, you know, he'll kind of be the, uh, you know, it'll depend on where Kirk Cousins goes, honestly. Yep. Um, Absolutely. And, and the other, the other thing with, uh, with McCarron is, uh, he's, he's played, he's played and he's played okay. And, and competent quarterback play, ask the New York Jets what competent quarterback play can do for you. That was a team that was supposed to be tanking. They bring in a guy in Josh McCown who's not great, but he's good. He works hard. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to run an offense. Even competent quarterback play can make a big difference for a football team. Yeah, you're exactly right about that. And good quarterback play, as we saw with Jimmy Garoppolo, can completely 100% (laughs) transform your football team. So uh, one way or the other, that's what they need to get some wins on the board. That'll do it for another edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Of course, head over to iTunes or the Google Play and subscribe to our Orange and Brown Talk podcast channel. Leave us some reviews there. Good reviews. Please give us your feedback. Let us know what you want us to talk about in future Orange and Brown Talk podcasts because we've got a lot of time here between now and the draft, now and the start of training camp, all of that stuff. So let us know what you want to hear from us on this podcast. Again, I am Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening, everybody, to Orange and Brown Talk.